So, uh, but let me tell you a couple things before I jump into this. A couple things. I have said for years, for years, said, I don't mind preaching if somebody would just give me a sermon. I'd be good. Well, voila, today it happened. So be careful what you pray or talk about. Because for years I've said, just hand me a sermon, I'm good. So the other thing that's very fascinating about it today is this, that my favorite section of Scripture is Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. And I have memorized this scripture a long time ago. I try to pray this scripture. Uh, Lord, make this true in my life. And, uh, and that's, that's Howard's prayer here today uh, for you. And that way you can see as I, as I read this message that this will become a reality in your life. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. It's a prayer. Uh, it's a way, pray, a way Paul prayed for the Ephesians. And I think how often, how this should be the way we pray for one another and how we should pray for ourselves. So kind of with that little introduction, um, let me read if I could. Let me pray first and then I'll, I'll read from Ephesians. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you that your Holy Spirit illumines the truth of the gospel. We ask, Lord, that you might speak to our hearts through your word, uh, through the word uh, shared here. We pray for Howard today. Lord, we thank you that uh, that fever broke. Uh, we're grateful that he's feeling better. We pray you might heal him quickly. So we thank you, Lord, for your work of grace in each of our lives. And uh, we thank you for your presence here, Lord, and we pray that, Lord, you might speak to our hearts. May we be transformed. We might become more and more like Jesus. Lord, we thank you and praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, let me read now if I could. This is, comes from Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verses 14 through 21. Hear God's word. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to his riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we may ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, as we continue through this journey of Ephesians this morning, uh, we've read that section of Scripture. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. This is the reason exactly that Paul bows his knee. What is the exact reason that Paul bows his knee before the Father? Well, if you were with us last week, you know that the great mystery of Christ is what Paul states in Ephesians 3, 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul prays for the Gentile believers in Ephesus because through the revelation of Christ, Paul, Gentiles, non-Jews, are fellow heirs with him in Christ. The Gentiles had been chosen before the foundation of the world, like he, like he was, predestined to be members of the body of Christ, partakers of the promise in Christ. Notice what Paul prays for them exactly. He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints was a breadth and length and height and depth. 
to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Quite simply, Paul prays for four things. He prays that they might be strengthened by the indwelling Christ through his spirit. His spirit. Secondly, that they may be rooted and grounded in love. Thirdly, that they may know Christ's love in all its dimensions. And fourthly, that they may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now, why do you think Paul prays for these four things for the Gentiles in Ephesus? Well, probably because, like, us, like them, we need to be strengthened by the indwelling Christ through his Spirit. We need that too. Amen? They need, they need to be more rooted and grounded in Christ's love. They need to be, grow in their knowledge of Christ's love in all its glorious dimensions so that ultimately God's love may fill them and overflow in the way they treat others. You see, as we keep reading in Ephesians, we will see that beginning in chapter 4, Paul challenges the Ephesians and us here today to live differently. He exhorts us to walk in the humility to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He calls us to work towards unity. He calls us to guard our tongues, to speak the truth in love, and avoid any corrupting talk, but only to speak that which builds others up. As Howard says here, which I agree, man, we could use some more humility, unity, and building up right now, couldn't we? I know this is an election in the United States, so naturally people from different political parties are going to criticize candidates from the other parties. But wouldn't it be great if in this wonderful land of the free, because of the brave, where we have the freedom to elect our leaders, if politicians from both parties would lead with positivity rather than negativity? I would love to hear candidates only say what they are for rather than what they are spending the majority of their time criticizing their opponent and saying what they are against. Wouldn't it be great if the news would make an effort to communicate an equal balance of good news with bad news? In our 24-hour news cycle, where most of the news is negative, we can become, an emotional, we become emotionally beat down as we listen to so much bad news. Wouldn't it be nice if we had an equal balance of good news and bad news? Did you hear about that show the actor John Koresik did, the guy from The Office? In fact, I've seen this. It's, it is really good. Uh, it's called Some Good News, and it really is cute. It's, a, it's well done about the good news that he shares in that. And it said it has over 18 million downloads on YouTube. 18 million. It's watched. Uh, it is so good that it gives tears of joy. Uh, Howard mentioned particularly the story of the 15-year-old girl who came home from cancer after several chemo treatments. The people lined the street and cheered for her as she drove home. People long to hear good news in the midst of all the negativity. Now, I know we need to know what's going on in the world for sure. We can't put our heads in the sand, can we? And we want to know what's going on in our country and in, the, in Amarillo. We need to be informed. And frankly, some of the news is not what we always want to hear. Even recently, for instance, our governor Thursday mandated face masks in public. Uh, here is a quote from his executive order. He said, every person in Texas shall wear a face covering over the nose and mouth when inside a commercial entity or other building or space open to the public or when an outdoor public space whenever it's not feasible to maintain the six feet of social distancing for one person uh, not of the same household. That's a tough thing to hear. Hear that again. 
Now, if you read it, it's entire, the executive order explains that you need to wear a face mask when you go to a restaurant. But you don't need to wear a face mask while you eat. That would be pretty difficult. So after our service this morning, we are going to have a lunch. We'd ask you to wear your face mask while you're not getting your food. But when you sit down, you can take off your face mask for sure. How do you eat? That's what we need to do in restaurants now. The governor's executive order also mentions that religious services where he encourages people to wear face masks, as you all did today. Of course, our session voted weeks ago that we require people to wear face masks during worship. When we sing, the aerosol spray from our singing can travel, as we know, 14 feet. And studies show that 30% of people are, are asymptomatic and can spread the disease without knowing it. And I know no one wants to spread the disease here. Now, as followers of Jesus, we always want to be, have a servant heart, put the needs of others before ourselves, before ourselves, right? Now, thankfully, we have some good news in Amarillo. We are down to 563 active cases. You may recall at one time we were about 2,000 active cases here in Amarillo. Now we have over 3,200 recoveries. Praise the Lord. That's good news. We should celebrate in Amarillo that we are down to 563 cases, but with our 24 news cycle, most of what we hear on the national level, level, national level is negative news. This negative news can lead to even greater division as people place blame and point, figure, and point fingers. Wouldn't it be wonderful if just one day a week or one, uh, one time at a month, uh, we'd be affirming where everyone could just focus on speaking the truth in love. Well, our, for our country to get there, it starts with us. So how can we be the kind of people who always speak the truth in love, who avoid negative, corrupting talk, who say only words that build up? How can we become the kinds of people, good news people? It's a good question. Well, the answer is found in the prayer that Paul prays here in Ephesians. And it's a prayer we should pray for ourselves as well. Now, the you in the original Greek of Paul's Ephesians letter is a second person plural. Or as we say in West Texas, what is it? Y'all. Good call. Good call. So that we, so that we, might, uh, we might own this prayer as our own, uh, Howard changed it slightly here using the first person plural pronoun of we. We all need to pray this prayer together. Can you read this with me? Here it is. May God grant us to be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we may be rooted and grounded in love, that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of God's love, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's a beautiful prayer. And change the words a little bit. Now, the first thing Paul praises for is that we may have strength. And I don't know about you, but in this fallen world, broken world, I'm tired. I'm tired of all the negativity. I'm tired of all the uncertainty. I'm tired of all the constant changing rules and regulations. I'm tired of the isolation. And Howard said, I'm an extrovert. I get energy by being with people. And I need strength. Well, according to Paul, our strength will be found in Christ as we become more rooted and grounded in God's love. As you know, a tree with a healthy root system will grow and bear fruit for decades, sometimes centuries. 
If we hope to bear fruit that will last, like fruits of the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians 5, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, we have to be rooted in the love of Christ. As we draw near to Jesus and become united into him, allowing his love to define us, then we become rooted in his love. When people are rude towards us, we don't let it upset us as much because their words don't define us. The love of Jesus defines us, for we are rooted in his love. Now, this is a great story that, that Howard shares. Uh, Howard's daughter, Hannah, as you know recently, uh, passed her driving test. Uh, now, there's some good news. She passed that test. Amen. Now, she is a li- she's licensed to drive. Praise the Lord. I'm not really sure about Howard's uh, his insurance on those cars, but that's okay. That, that'll come. All right. Now, Sarah recently was riding with Hannah so Hannah could practice getting off and on I-40. That's, that's challenging to any of us. Now, there were concrete, concrete barriers in this one section as they reduced the lanes from three to two. As you know, when you get on a highway, you have to speed up so you're going with the flow of traffic. Well, Hannah did exactly like she was supposed to do. She hit the accelerator, got on the highway, while staying under the speed limit of 55 in the construction zone. Unfortunately, there was a large RV that was right behind her when she got on the highway. The RV, they were speeding, going much faster than 55, which forced them to slow down. This made the other driver quite mad. Mad enough that when he, when he made the point to drive around Hannah, as he drove by the passenger, the, the passenger on the RV, rolled down the window and what? You know, made that one point sign, right? Yeah, that deal, okay. And uh, made that little sign. So uh, this 16 year old girl who's just learning to drive, actually obeying the law, staying under the speed limit as she got on the highway. Wow. All right, Sarah then, you know, uh, Hannah's mother, tried to comfort Hannah after that, you know, kind of traumatic experience. Don't worry about the other driver, uh, other driver. You're doing, you're doing great, Sarah said. Hannah said, what other driver, mom? I'm just focused on the road, the speed limit, making sure I don't hit that concrete barrier or anybody else. Good for you, Hannah. Hannah was focused on what she was supposed to be focused on. She wasn't focused on what others thought about her. She was focused on what she was supposed to do, not on what others thought. Great story. When we are grounded and rooted in Christ, Christ's love, then we are focused on Jesus and what Jesus wants us to do, not on what others think about us. Notice that after praying that we may be rooted and grounded in Christ's love, Paul says, that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of God's love, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that we, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. In order to be rooted in Christ's love, to be filled with all the fullness of God, we need to know Christ's love and all its dimensions. It's interesting, as I read several commentaries on this passage, I came across a sermon from Gregory of Nyssia. Gregory of Nyssia was a bishop in the fourth century. In his sermon, Gregory of Nyssia pointed out that the four dimensions that Paul lists ultimately point to the four dimensions of the cross. 
He points at the length and breadth of Christ's love, point to the outstretched arms of Jesus, whose hands were pierced for us, that he might pay the price for, our sin, for the sins of the whole world. So as far as the east is from the west, so far as God removed our transgressions from us. The height of God's love points to heaven, to, just as the top of the cross points to heaven and how Christ's death and resurrection, Jesus eventually ascended to heaven and now is at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, where he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Finally, the depth of God's love is demonstrated by the base of the cross that points to hell and how we say the Apostles' Creed is that Jesus descended into hell. On the cross, Jesus experienced the death and hell in all its fullness and was separated from the Heavenly Father. That is why Jesus cries out to God at the cross, quoting Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus experienced death and hell so we wouldn't have to. Gregor of Nicio helps us to see that it's a cross we are fully understood, and we can understand the length and breadth and height and depth of God's love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He sacrificed his only begotten Son for the sins of the world so that we might be saved. There is no greater love than the love of God that took Jesus to the cross to pay for our sins through his suffering and death. Yes, the love of Jesus changes everything. The love of Jesus helps us see how loved we really are. It reminds us of what God said to the people in Israel in Deuteronomy 7. God loves us because he loves us. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us anymore. For God has already shown the full extent of his love that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God, Jesus demonstrates the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of God's love. The cross helps us see that we are loved because we are loved. As followers of Jesus, love is ultimately what defines us. This love is what gives us strength to love others, to all the glory, to all the glory of God's name. So the next time we want to lash out at others or become angry with those we disagree, let us remember that the cross, the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, love so amazing, so divine. To end this message this morning, we have asked Norman to come up and play the beautiful hymn for us, written by Isaac Watts, that reminds us of Gregory of Nyssa, did when he said the love of God is made most evident at that wondrous cross.